stay with that theme uh, for a, certainly for today and probably for another Sunday or two. And I tell people, and we preachers tell them this, Tyler too, you know, a lot of times we preach sermons and people will say, you looked at me the whole time you was preaching, you know. And that's really not true. We don't. The sermons are for us. And uh, so really these about trusting God, I'm going to share with you, but I promise you they're for me. Got to trust God, and that has to be renewed all the time. So, uh, the title of the sermon this morning is "The Big Plan." That'll make sense in a moment. I'm talking about plan. Let me ask you some questions. What kind of plans do you have for 2018? A lot of times we make plans. It's this time of year we do it. And uh, another question may be, what are, what are God's plans for your life in 2018? That's a great question to ask. Um, but a more important question, and I underlined it, and I want you to underline it. As you think about plans and making plans and God's plans, is Jesus at the heart of your plans? Is Jesus at the heart of your plans? That's that's the key. This coming Wednesday, uh, we're going to start back our Wednesday morning Bible study at 11 o'clock. We'll be in the book of Isaiah. If you want to go ahead and read chapter 6, you can do that. I also mentioned to you that the uh, Bible study of doing the year long. If you want to be involved in that, when the Sunday school class two kind of gathered this morning, and Eric Wright and Mark Condra facilitated that, Mark's going to kick off the Wednesday nights with that too. That uh, 365 days of reading. So you have a facilitator, so he's going to facilitate it on Wednesday night at six o'clock. If you want to be a part of that, uh, that new Bible study about reading the New Testament for a year. So he'll be teaching it on Wednesday night at six o'clock. I'll be doing the book of Isaiah, both on Wednesday morning, like I've done in the past. So those two will track together. If you can't make it to 11 o'clock, you can come that night at 6 o'clock. But if you want to read Isaiah, the sixth chapter, we'll be talking about Isaiah 6 on Wednesday in Isaiah Bible study. As we make our way to Lynn, I'll choose different chapters along the way. But the book of Isaiah is a very powerful, powerful book. They all are, but God used Isaiah to teach his people some things, and those lessons are still have to be learned by us. So will be in Isaiah. So my question again is the Word of God is still the Word of God. It hadn't changed, and we still need it in 2018 as much as we needed His Word in 2017. Is Jesus at the heart of your plans? Last week, if you were not here, I preached from Psalm 16. I'm going to, that's kind of during my quiet time, I'm going to keep mulling over this over the next month or so. Uh, Psalm 16, if you want to enter into that, I encourage you to let God give you a word. For me, Psalm 16 has been important to me over the last few weeks since I've just preached from it last week. So Psalm 16, the opening statement of the psalmist is, Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. Now, we know the psalmist a lot of times they talk about trust, but trust is all through the Bible. So today's sermon is really again just about, do you trust God? And as we begin this first Sunday, as we have communion together, great time to renew your trust in God. God, I trust you. And so I hope you'll come today and do that. The NIV reads this way on that opening statement. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. The Hebrew word can be translated that as well. But if you take refuge in somebody, you're going to have to trust them. Because you put your ref. I put all my, in you, I take refuge, God. So if you're going to take refuge in him, you're going to have to trust him. That has to be renewed all the time. Yesterday was officially on the Christian calendar Epiphany, the end of Epiphany, the 12 days of Christmas. But oftentimes we still have sang Christmas songs this morning. And so 
I'm just going to tell you what Merriam-Webster says the word epiphany is because we don't usually use that in our vocabulary. Hey, I had an epiphany today. We don't usually say that. So I want you to know what it means. And spiritually, it has really deep meaning. A usually sudden manifestation or a perception of the essential nature or meaning of something. Again, that carries with it a lot of deep theological understanding when you think of it spiritually. Usually sudden manifestation, a revelatory knowledge of who God is, a perception of essential nature. It is an intuitive grasp of reality through something such as maybe an event or happening. Usually it's simple, but it's striking. That's built into that word epiphany. It's an illuminating discovery or realization um, or a disclosure about something. So again, if you take the word and think of it spiritually, this is a simple example because this is how it can happen. A few weeks ago, we had Favor, our fixed me 11 months old grandbaby. His name is Favor, and I think about that. God, because his, his dad asked for Favor, God give my wife Favor, and he ended up naming our grandson Favor. That's how he got his name. I know I've shared that with some of y'all. If you're visiting, though, his name is Favor. And I was looking at him, and I was holding him, and he's just... He just wide open. And I'm holding him and I'm thinking about that word favor and I'm thinking about trusting God. And just all of a sudden, I had an epiphany of God's presence. I teared up. I'm tearing up telling about it, just even though I shared it this morning in the service. Just God's presence. Looking at a child, thinking about God coming as a human and just all of that. And I call them God moments, but they are epiphany moments, just that. Disclosure, that revelation that you have that you know God's here. And you renew that trust in Him. So we're going to talk about trust today. John Oswald was a professor that I had at Asbury Seminary. He has written like encyclopedias on the book of Isaiah. So I'm going to be using him on Wednesday Bible study about Isaiah. And this is a quote John Oswald made. Rarely are our lives most shaped by our biggest ambitions and our highest aspirations. Read that line again before I read you the next sentence. Dr. John Oswald. Rarely are our lives most shaped by our biggest ambitions and our highest aspirations. Rather, our lives are most shaped, for better or worse, by those small things that we do every single day. There's a reason he's saying that is to lead into Bible study. That consistency of that quiet time with God and acknowledging that he's God every day and getting into his word. Those are the things that can make profound differences, and those are the moments that we have epiphanies with God. I had one this morning. I was having a quiet time. I was reading from Isaiah, and, and a situation that um, I was praying into, and uh, I prayed the Lord's Prayer over it because I don't know exactly how to pray. And you all know this past year I talked about how God's been teaching me to use the Lord's Prayer a lot of times when I don't know how to pray over something. And so I did this morning. I actually practice sometimes what I preach. Go figure. But I even pray, you know, God, your, your will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven in this situation. And again, just the presence of God there, those moments. The shepherds, the wise men, we've been reading about them, talking about them. They trusted God. Their economic status was, and their social status was completely different. Very wealthy, wise men, very intelligent, very educated. The shepherds more likely were uneducated, but 
they both sought the presence of God and they trusted God and God gave them special blessing at the Christmas story that we read. Mary and Joseph. Can you imagine, and I, and I know we try to do it every year, but again, just try to imagine a young, young, probably a teenager. We don't know for sure, but more than likely, Mary was probably a young teenager. God is going to come to you and you're going to birth the Messiah. I don't know about you, but even you women here were given that. You better trust God. So you know she's wrestling with that. She agrees to it. The Holy Spirit will come up with you. How will I know that I've never been with a man? And I don't understand all this kind of thing. The Holy Spirit will come up with you, and that which is conceived in you will be the Son of God. And Joseph, all the wrestling he had to do with knowing he had not been with her. And they had trust God. So even though they had angels show up and give them some deep insight, there was still the day-to-day -day stuff such as this. Do you would think if God had this big plan and, and, and he was going to give his son to two humans, two young humans. Surely he could have worked out these details because they end up in Bethlehem because of a census. The government says you've got to go back to your hometown. You've got to have a census. You know that probably, they probably talked about it just like we do. Oh, my goodness. We've got to go do the census. I'm nine months pregnant. Good Lord, Joseph. Can't we, can't we do something? Can't we send it in by email or something or send a text to them and let them know about the census? But so they, they had to go, and I think faintly, if all, if little, did they realize that they were fulfilling a prophecy. Because God's always working. We just got to trust him. So they trusted God. They ended up in Bethlehem. And then, lo and behold, Herod says, I want to find this baby. So he sends soldiers, and y'all just kill every child two years and under. What in the world? Then the angel comes and says, you need to run. This is the Messiah. And so, you know they wrestled with that. God, really? We got to run to Egypt? And so they go to Egypt. And they're there. And lo and behold, fulfilled the prophecy. God's always working. They end up coming back to the hometown of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? The answer is yes. But in the middle of all that, they had to trust God. And then I want to read to you. Now we're in our text about two other people that just trusted God for the Messiah to show up. And it's in Luke, the second chapter. I'm going to begin reading in verse 22. Now, when the days of her purification, this is talking about Mary, and in verse 21, they had brought Jesus at eight days to be circumcised. You can read it there in Luke, which they were fulfilling the law of Moses. So if you go back and read in the book of Leviticus, they were going by that, just a regular routine of the ritual of coming to church and going to the temple as their church had taught them, repeating the affirmation of faith and saying the Lord's Prayer. They didn't really do that, but we do now. What do we learn from that? So they were going, and so she had him circumcised at eight days. Now, a woman was still unpure for another 33 days. So this is about 40 days, according to Leviticus, according to the law, and so they bring him to the temple because every male child had to be brought to the temple and presented to the Lord. So here they bring Jesus. And this is what happens. Verse 25 of Luke 2. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was a just and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Last year I preached about the presence of the Holy Spirit in the Christmas story. The Holy Spirit is there. He's upon him. And it had been revealed. He had had an epiphany. He had had a revelatory knowledge from God. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
Now, he'd been waiting a while for that, but he believed God for it. You're not going to see death until you see the Messiah. That's what the scriptures tell us. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up. Simeon did. Holds him up, which was the practice of any male child. He holds him up, took him up in his arms, and he blessed God and he said, because he knew this was who he was. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. He's fixing to die. He's getting ready to go on. Depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. And Mary and Joseph are standing there listening to this. All He said, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Again, it was prophesied at his birth that God would come for, we people in Gadsden, Alabama, we're all a bunch of Gentiles. It wasn't just for the Israeli people. It wasn't just for the Jewish people. It was for you and for me. Simeon got to say all that. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother, they marveled at those things which were spoken of him, their baby. Oh, my Lord. See, I, I, I know they got it, but they didn't. They're just like us, all the details of working it out. And they marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, interesting words of blessing. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword, he's still speaking and Mary's standing there listening to it, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. So that's the first one. You won't see death until you see the Messiah. I asked you earlier, do you trust God? I'm sure that Mary and Joseph... The wise men and the shepherds, they had to trust God that this was the Messiah. Now there's another person, a prophetess by the name of Anna. Two people were never mentioned in the Bible again, and here they are, and this is what it says in the next verse. I'm still in Luke, the second chapter, if you want to go back and read this. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess. She was the daughter of Phanuel in the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. Now, I grew up mildly. I know how to interpret that. That means she is old. She is an old woman, okay? That's what it says. She was of great age and had lived with a husband for seven years from her virginity, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years. So if you're 84 and I just called you an old woman, I apologize. 84 years old who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day, and coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him, spoke of Jesus, to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they were going through their ritual. My goodness, what an epiphany, though. You see these two prophets who trusted God. So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, Mary and Joseph returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and grace that God was upon him. If you got all that, I ask you the most important question was, is Jesus, is Jesus at the heart of your plans? So whatever they are, is Jesus at the heart of it? He was at the heart of Anna. He was at the heart of Simeon. They wanted to see him. They wanted the Messiah. Do you? Do I? I read a devotion a few weeks back. 
back around August, I started getting on my app on my phone called the Seedbed Daily. Out of Asbury Seminary, the, the new publication company is called Seedbed, the Word of God, the Seed. So they have a devotion each day written by J.D. Walt, and it's called the Seedbed Daily. So I've been reading it, but he has guest writers. Well, he had a guest writer. I want to tell you his name. His name is Reverend Omar Al-Rakabi. And I'm thinking, that's, that's a Muslim name. So I did a little history, so stay with me. I'm going to share the devotion with you in a moment. Omar Al-Rakabi, he's a United Methodist pastor out in Texas. He went to Asbury Seminary. He's also a gifted author and writer. So he writes sometimes for the Seedbed Daily. But his testimony is this. His dad was Muslim, and his mother was a United Methodist Christian. So he was raised in a church, a little small church, United Methodist Church out in Texas. The stipulation, it didn't tell how his mother and dad met or anything about them, but it just said at the birth of each child, the dad said they will be given a Muslim name. But you can raise them in the Christian church. So I'll just give you that tidbit about who wrote this. Because I was interested when I read it, and so I want to glean out of his devotion these words. He shared this, this prayer right after he got out of seminary. So this is from Reverend Omar. He'd just gotten out of college, I mean, and he's preparing, and he knew he had a call in his life, preparing for seminary. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? What's your plan for my life, God? So he said, but what of my life? I have no goals or dreams. I have no significant other I was not destined for exotic mission fields, crowds of adoring parishioners, or even gainful employment. Then after months of wrestling with this, he came back to his home there in Texas. I knelt at an altar during a prayer service one night, and I let Jesus have it. If you ever let Jesus have it, come on, somebody say amen. I'm not the only one. He's not the only one. There are times we, we wrestle with life and trust in God. And so he said, I'm just going to let God have it. So this was his prayer. I'd love to give you my dreams and my visions, I said. If I had any, God. But you, you've kind of left me hanging here. I'm still waiting for any clue of the big plan for my life. And in a rare moment, and I'll call it an epiphany. In a rare moment of the voice of the Lord in the stillness, this is what Jesus said to me, and he wrote it down. And Jesus said, I am your dream, and I am your goal. And for whatever you do, and whomever you're in relationship will flow from your relationship with me, not the other way around. In other words, the plan that God has, he said, for my life is Jesus. Well, I want to tell you this morning, the plan that God has for your life is Jesus. We don't always know all the details, and I don't either, but we have to trust God. And so at the center, at the heart, the heart of the plan is Jesus. Today's text doesn't seem to give us much about Simeon and Anna, two elderly folks who spend their final days hanging around the temple. That's what we get on them. Simeon seems ready to die, which he was. Anna was widowed early, and so she seems to have spent most of her time fasting and praying. We really don't know anything else about their lives. But when Jesus, the Son of God, the descendant of David, shows up in the temple, a place that you know was crowded with a whole lot of other people who were waiting, they also were waiting for the descendant 
of the King David to come, the Messiah. They're still waiting for him. Nobody notices except two people, according to the text we're given. Two old prophets. Why? Because the plan for their lives had always been Jesus. Who's at the heart of your plan? Whatever they did, whomever they were in relationship with seemed centered on the hope of the Messiah. They trusted God. And when baby Jesus shows up, this old man and this old woman, and, and what appears to be their final acts, they become the first two public preachers proclaiming the gospel of the good news that this is him. He's just showed up in the temple. The one who's going to redeem Israel and redeem and bring revelation to the Gentiles. So the secret, the secret is not our ambition, but a life that is hidden in Christ. I quote Reverend Omar again, it doesn't matter if we command a huge crowd or we live in exotic land spreading the gospel or if we are a grocery bagger or we are a stay-at-home parent in a house that we can't keep clean. The big plan for your life and mine is still Jesus. Let God work out all the details. And in order to do that, you're going to have to trust him. And I struggle with it some days. I struggle with it. And that's why I have to renew my trust in the God who saved me, the God who redeemed me, the God who's restored me, the God who gave his life for me. And I have to trust him, and I have to keep renewing that trust. So I invite you as you come to the table that you'll renew your trust with him as you begin a new year. You see, the great thing about the incarnation is that Jesus showed up as a baby to this world just like you did, just like I did. We showed up into this world as a little human. Live the rest of our life trying to trust the God that created us. And so I encourage you that you trust God. In the scripture, in the story, the Christmas story, it doesn't seem to matter who they were, what they did, a peasant girl, a shepherd boy, a rich wise man, an old woman, an old man. Again, God's plan was for them to find Jesus. The same plan he wants for you. Will you trust him? Let's pray together. God, as we come to communion, we thank you that you have blessed this table. And by the grace, by the grace of God, we've been invited to his table. Help us to trust you. And whatever our lives are, just to trust you, God. And I pray that many of us today will renew our trust in who you are. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you are visiting with us, uh, you know that, or if you don't know, you don't have to be a member of our church in order to celebrate communion. Uh, so we invite you to come if you're visiting, or if you're not a member of United Methodist Church, you can still come and Tyler and I are going to share the invitation of the liturgy. Uh, it's found on page 12 and 13. And you can read along with us and respond in the dark print. And uh, in a moment, we'll invite the ushers to come down, and then we'll direct you uh, as you come to the altar. So, uh, Tyler, if you would, let us begin. Page 12. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful, Merciful God, God, we confess, confess that we have, have not loved you with our whole heart. heart. 
we have failed to be an obedient church and not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory, Glory to God. To God. Continue on page 13 underneath the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, his death, and his resurrection, you have given birth to your church. Deliver us from the slavery to sin and death made with us and make with us a new covenant by water and the spirit on the night in which he jesus gave himself up for us he took bread he gave thanks to you he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said take and eat this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me when the supper was over he took a cup he gave thanks to you he gave it to the disciples and he said to them and to us he said drink from this all of you this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us who are gathered here, Lord, and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father now and forever. Amen. I'll invite the ushers and those who are helping serve if y'all will come and, and after they are served the choir will be served and then the ushers will lead you and direct you in coming to the altar.
almighty and loving God, help us to leave from here and renew our trust in you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. areas of our heart where maybe we find it difficult to trust you. God, help us to overcome our unbelief. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. say as the psalmist said preserve me O Lord for in you in you I put my trust help us to do that God go forth from here in his grace and his love as you trusted in the name of Jesus Christ
Lord, you help us to be broken bread and poured out wine for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father, we thank you for this table, and we're grateful, eternally grateful, that you invited us to it. Go forth in that joy and trust the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, as we leave here, help us to leave knowing there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God, help us to have joy. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.
Almighty God, help us to put Jesus at the heart of all of our plans. In his name we pray. Amen. If there's anyone we need to serve in the pew, we'd be glad to serve you there. Is there anyone? the acolytes to come ahead and 